My friend Cynthia Recti has a new novel available now, Facing the Dawn from Ravel, a division of the Baker Publishing Group. It's a story that invites readers to walk alongside characters facing some of the most wearying or harshest moments in life, the hardest losses we can bear, but with Cynthia's signature tender touch and ever-present hope. If you appreciate contemporary fiction that doesn't skirt around the real challenges of life, but faces them head on, don't miss her latest, Facing the Dawn, wherever books are sold. Mountain Creek mystery novelist and veteran homeschool mom, Elizabeth Truitt, noticed mothers and daughters reading the classic Nancy Drew series together. She searched for an accompanying unit study and not finding one, she wrote one herself. How fun is that? Sleuths and Secret is written for third to eighth graders. Discussion questions, research topics, writing prompts, and vocabulary words are covered each week. Unit 1 is to be used with the first five Nancy Drew volumes. You can find them on Amazon.com by searching Elizabeth Truitt. That's Elizabeth with a Z. And Truitt is T-R-U-I-E-T-T. Also, you can see the book trailer for Carolina Key on YouTube. All these links can be found at walkitoutpodcast.com. And now let's have a chat with Crystal Payne. to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, today on Walk It Out, we're going to be talking to one of my favorite people. I have loved this woman for a long time, and God is just using her in amazing ways, which we're going to be talking about. So let me tell you a little bit about Crystal Payne. Crystal is the founder of The Money Saving Mom, the host of the Crystal Payne Show podcast. She's a New York Times bestselling author of Say Goodbye to Survival Mode and the author of The Money Making Mom. And her desire is to help women across the globe live with more joy, purpose, and intention. She lives with her husband and kids in Nashville. So welcome, Crystal. I am so happy to be here. It is so fun connecting with you again. And I know we met years ago. I I think it was in 2012 at a mom life event. And um, I just love seeing all that God has done in your life since then. Wow. 2012. I, I, you have a better memory than me. I could not remember when we had first met. So, Well, you know what, why I remember, because it was at that little event and I talk about it all the time when I talk about adoption, because I mentioned to you guys there about feeling called to adopt from foster care. So I know, because that's how the timeline works for me. So I know it was in 2012, because <laughs> in 2013, we brought home Casey and Bella when they were two and five. Now they are 10 and 13. So that's how I could keep track of things like, you know, vital moments when you 
you know, welcome kids into your home. (laughs) So, and I know so much has changed in your life and just growing. So just give us like, because many people know you from the money saving mom. So what has God done in your life in recent years? Yeah. So I love talking about saving money and making money and time management and all the practical things. And I thought that that was really what God had called me to talk Mm -hmm. about, which I do feel like, yes, that is part of my calling. But about four years ago, one of my kids just really hit a very, very hard place. And I um, talk about this at the beginning of my book, Love Center Parenting, of just walking into the the ER and saying, my child is suicidal. And just being in a place of really feeling hopeless as a mom and kind of helpless, like there's something is really wrong. And I feel so much shame and guilt and overwhelm and something needs to change. And I just I don't even know what to do. And so this book was really written out of that place of just my heart for other women to know one, that you're not alone. And if your child is going through a really, really hard time, that there are other moms out there. But also if you are just coasting along a little bit, because we do sometimes have seasons like that in motherhood, that you don't have to carry so much guilt, um, and parent out of a place of stress and exhaustion because I just talked to so many moms who are constantly psychoanalyzing and questioning, am I doing it right? Am I making the right decisions? Um, oh, my child, maybe are they failing in this or struggling with this? Is this my fault? Should I be doing something different? And you know, while all those questions come from a heart to want to help our kids Sometimes I think that the root of those can be things of we're parenting out of fear or we're parenting because we care about our reputation more than parenting from a space of faith or parenting um, from really wanting to build relationship with our kids. And it's so good. And um, I there's so many good quotes in your books and just talking about our worth, which we're going to get into. But I've been in that place where with our kids having to be at the hospital and it's out of your hands at that point. Like, you know, this child needs help. Um, We've had a child that also was suicidal that we had to take to a hospital. And then, you know, it's in other people's hands because all of a sudden this child is elevated to a place where they are not safe at home. And I just remember feeling like I never thought this would be my parenting journey, you know, because I'd raised kids to adulthood. And I thought, okay, we're doing all the right things. But what you were saying is so true about it's often um, we want to look good or we want our kids to behave a certain way. We want them to make wise decisions. And I think we kind of get like, do this, do this, is this in this mode. And we forget about like some kids are really struggling. Some kids have really tender hearts. Some kids, when we're with the best attention, intentions parenting them is really causing them stress and anxiety in ways we might not even imagine. Or maybe there's even stress and anxiety in other areas. And it doesn't help when we're like, your room's not clean, your homework's not done. Um, and so I just love how you just really bring it back to love. And I know there was a moment um, where it struck you like, okay, where is this coming from? And how can I really live loved? And I would love for you to share about that. Yes. So after that day at the emergency room, um, we were able to get our child into therapy. And um, when we met with a therapist the first time, I just remember sitting across from her on the couch and saying to her, if there is anything that I can do or change to help my child, please let me know because I just, I want this to get better and whatever I can do. And a few weeks later, after she'd had multiple sessions with our child, she called me back in and she said, I feel like you're trying so hard to fix your child. What would it look like to just walk with them instead? 
And I started paying attention to how I responded to my kids. And anytime something was going wrong, a child was talking back, a child was acting out, a child was, you know, kids were fighting or they'd made a mistake or they were kind of doing something that I just didn't feel like was the right thing. I would just jump into preaching sermons and just trying to fix and also trying to correct. And I was spending so much of my time just correcting and correcting and correcting because I wanted to help my kids. Yeah. But in the process, I wasn't really spending much time at all connecting with them. And I realized that um, I was in, in a sense hurting them more than I was helping them by trying so hard to make sure that they were making good choices. Mm -hmm. And it was also causing so much stress. And it's interesting because when I was writing this book, I ask on my Instagram, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. And I ask for people to fill in the blank. My job as a parent is to blank. And this was so insightful because I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses. And I would say that 98 to 99% of them were things that we ultimately don't have any control mm -hmm. over as a parent. You know, it was things like, I want my children to love Jesus and make good choices and be successful in life and go to heaven. Well, those are all great ambitions for your kids and great desires <laughs> for your kids, but you cannot ultimately control that. You can't save your child. You cannot be their Holy Spirit. You can try really hard, but it's not going to work long-term and you cannot micromanage your child's choices and behaviors when they're no longer in your home. But we sometimes kind of start to think that we can control it all. And then that's where all of the stress comes from because when our child is making choices that we don't agree with, or we think they're going down a bad path, we kind of swoop in and we're trying so hard to fix it because in, you know, our viewpoint, if we think our job as a parent is to help them love Jesus and go to heaven and, you know, make good choices and all that, then when they don't follow what we think is, you know, what they're supposed to do, we're going to feel like our job performance is on the line. And so they were right. going to be so hypercritical of them because we're feeling like we got to change them. We got to fix this. It's not working. So let's try to fix this. Yeah, absolutely. And then they just feel the pressure of, you know, never feeling like they can live up to us and, and please us. And I just had this conversation within the last month because, you know, I've, I've had kids that have made good decisions and not, every decision, but you know, the adult kids are doing pretty well. And then mm -hmm. we have other kids which come from trauma. We adopted at an older age. And I remember talking to a counselor, which I'm so thankful for all the counselors and therapists yes. that could give insight. And I'm like, I, she's 18. Like she should be able to do this and she should be able to finish her homework and get up on time. And the counselor's like, if she was able to, she would be doing it. Like she mm -hmm. obviously there's something going on there from her past, from the trauma from and she's like she can only do what she can do and I think so many times as an adult thinking I would do this I would you know I'm I could get all this done and all that done well sometimes our kids first of all their brains aren't developed they might have other issues going on and we put these expectations on them of what they should be doing and really whether they're just young or whether they're struggling often we expect them to do things that at that moment they are not capable of doing and then we criticize them because they are not capable of doing it 
Well, and it's all in the name of helping them, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, I won't, I don't want parents to feel like I'm shaming them for saying this, but at right. the same time, I think there's so much more under the surface. And so mm-hmm. if we can see our child's behaviors that we are able to see above the surface, how they're acting out or how they're responding to us or when they're getting triggered or when they're unable to, you know, feeling overwhelmed by their homework or overwhelmed by cleaning their room or things like that. There's usually something more there. And so often we just focus on trying to correct the behavior that we see on the surface instead of really digging down deep and connecting with their heart. And that's just really what I want to encourage parents because in, in our journey, when we've started doing that with our kids, it has completely changed mm-hmm. the way that they are communicating with us. It's completely changed the way that I'm parenting. And I think of, you know, if I'm in relationship with someone who is, you know, another woman and she's someone I consider to be a good friend, if I were to go to her and say, I'm really overwhelmed by this. And she were to just look at me and be like, well, get it together. I don't know what your problem is, but you just need to stop and you just need to, you know, have a good attitude and go do it. Um, which I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes my kids, I'm just like, (laughs) clean your room, you know, get over the bad attitude. We don't have that kind of attitude in this house and just clean your room. And, but yet if a friend talked to me like that, Mm -hmm. I would feel like, well, I don't really want to have anything to do with you because you are not hearing my heart. You're not listening to me. And so in the same way, are we shaming and shutting down our kids for trying to express their emotion when, you know, a lot of times yeah, like you said, their brains are developing and their emotional language is still developing and they don't know oftentimes how to express what they're feeling. So it comes out sideways as anger. And so if we can lean in and walk with them and start kind of peeling back those layers and digging down underneath the surface to the why and where is this coming from and helping them learn tools to be able to process what they're feeling we're going to not only probably be able to strengthen our relationship with them, but then we're going to be able to help them to be, you know, launched out into the world to have much stronger tools in their toolkit to be able to thrive as adults. Right. Because we do see when kids just learn to do what they're supposed to do, but we're not getting deeper. That's where we see, you know, suddenly they're on their own. They're making all of these decisions. We're thinking, where is that coming from? Well, they never learned, like you said, the emotional language, how to express things, how to communicate, how to deal with that inner issue. And then all of a sudden they get tired of just conforming outwardly. And suddenly, you know, we see so many bad choices when really that inner stuff is stuff that we do need to be helping with them and understanding and listening. I think so many times we feel like we always have to have the answer, which you talk about, you know, sometimes we just have to listen. And I would love for you to share, like you talk about things started to change. The listener out there might be hearing themselves in this. I know even me, I'm like, okay, this is something I need to be reminded of so many times. How did things start to change and what did that look like to give all of us some hope here? Yes. Well, I think first off, you know, I wrote this book, not because, wow, I really got it all figured out over here. I'm, I'm walking this out Mm. with my kids right now. And, um, just even in the last few weeks, I've had to preach to myself the things that I've shared in this book because I'm still learning right along with everyone else. But for me, it started with, so once the therapist said to me about, you know, what would it look like to walk with them instead of fix them? And I started digging into 
well, where did it come from that I thought I had to fix them? Like where, why is that my knee jerk reaction that I'm coming in to, you know, kind of swoop in and rescue them and preach a sermon and get us back on track. And I realized that so much of my parenting was for my reputation. It was for the approval of others. It was because I thought I was supposed to kind of adhere to the set of ideals of what a good Christian mom and wife was supposed to do and what my kids were supposed to look like. And But when really I was actually trying to win and earn God's approval mm-hmm. and God's favor, because deep, deep down, I didn't believe that I was truly loved for who I was, exactly how I was. And so I thought I need to do more and be more and try harder and be better and be a better mom and have better kids and do a better job at this in order to be a good Christian. I mean, in order to earn God's love and his approval. And so when I started to unpack this and say, okay, what would it look like for me to actually believe that I'm loved? Well, at first I realized that I had so many lies that had become truths because I had believed them for long, so long and lived out of them. And when you believe a lie long enough, it becomes your truth. And then it doesn't just become your truth, but it becomes the label that you wear and what you live under and what you lead with. So you walk into a situation and if you believe I'm not enough, and that's the lie that you've just let simmer in your brain for the longest time, then you're going to act out of that belief and you're going to be insecure and you're going to be trying to probably win other people's approval. Or if you believe your disappointment or a failure, that is going to really shape how you approach everything. So I had to first recognize the lies and then not just that, but I had to call them out as lies. I literally verbally would say that's a lie, but then replace them with the truth. And so I wrote out so much scripture and Mm -hmm. I had these different, just at the ready reminders of when I would say I'm failing as a mom. No, what is the truth? That's a lie. I'm failing as a mom. What is the truth? And the truth is God has given me these kids. He loves them more than even I do. He will equip me with what I need to be able to walk alongside them. And he doesn't see me as a failure. He sees me as beautiful and chosen and redeemed and loved. In him, I am forgiven and I'm covered by the blood. And so what would it look like for me to actually live out of that belief and how would it change the way that I lived? And around this time, I was listening to the Trim Healthy Mama podcast and they had a guest on and she was talking about nixing the negative narrative in her head. And she said that she started asking herself this question, what would loved me do? How would loved me live? And I realized I didn't truly believe to the depths of my soul that I was loved by the creator of the universe. Like I thought, I really do actually feel like I need to do a little bit more or I need to look a little bit better or I need to parent a little bit better to actually fully be loved by him. But that's not what scripture says. And so recognizing the lies, replacing those lies with truth, and then actually claiming I am loved. How would loved me act? So if I'm going into a situation where my child has made a mistake or the kids are fighting and I think, you know, how would loved me respond? Well, I'm not going to feel like I need to overcorrect or overprotect or micromanage or shut down or shame because I know how much I'm loved. And so I'm not doing this to care about my reputation. I'm not doing this because I'm fearing the future. I can just lean in and love my kids right where they are right then. And it's no longer about me. 
It's about them and about showing God's love through me to them. And it just really changes my posture towards them when I have that loved me sort of perspective. We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute. But first, no one should have to walk through crisis alone. Everyone needs a friend to help you heal and find hope again. Sherry Rose Shepard, author of Beyond the White Picket Fence, is that friend. She knows what it's like to have your life torn apart. Beyond the White Picket Fence is a love letter that will help you gain an eternal perspective and provide you with survival skills. Whether you're going through divorce, betrayal, abandonment, job loss, or disease, there is a way to come through it to find an even better, stronger you. Pick up your copy of Beyond the White Picket Fence wherever books are sold. I love that so much. And you posted this on Instagram just yesterday. um, And it says, it's from the book, when we focus on our mistakes, our shortcomings, and what we wish we had done differently, when our Heavenly Father sees something, or we focus, when our Heavenly Father sees something entirely, He sees our heart, He sees our diligence, He sees our effort, He sees the investments we are making when no one else is watching. He sees our tears and our struggles, He sees our shortcomings, but He doesn't judge us by those. When He looks at us, He sees beauty and He sees a masterpiece. And I think that, I mean, if we really, like you're saying, carry that in the depths of our souls and aren't like, oh my goodness, that other parent is looking at me at the grocery store and my kids like acting out when we just realize like, it's okay. God loves me. I can love my child. It is like this release of this burden that it seems like all of us are carrying around and thinking I need to do things a certain way. I remember a moment clearly after we adopted seven kids and trying to keep the house clean and so overwhelmed in laundry and just like crying in the laundry room because I could not keep up and I could not like keep all this in order and, and feeling God's spirit speak to me like, I love you just as much when the laundry is not done. And I just like bawling. I'm like, oh my goodness. And that was like his whisper to my heart at that time because I was doing the same thing, like feeling like, okay, I got to order this. I got to control this. I got to do all this. And God's like, like same with you like just know that I love you like you don't have to do all these things to earn approval to earn affection to earn love I love you and then the more we feel that love just like you're saying we can love our kids in a different way well I feel like it also helps us to put our defenses down you know I Mm -hmm. think of just someone who's online I'm sure you experience this where people when you put words out online or videos out online, there's always going to be the people who don't like you. And, you know, when you recognize how much you are loved and you're living in that space of knowing how much you are loved, it's like when those words are hurled at you or those, you know, accusations are made against you, you have a completely different approach because you're not feeling like, well, I need to defend myself and I need to make sure, and you know, that this person likes me. And so whatever I need to do, you can just lay your defenses down. And you can just live out of that place of love and you can just pray for that person and you can look and see if there's anything you need to learn from it. And then you can let the rest go. And and there's just so much freedom in that space. And the same thing with our kids of, I don't have to then worry about playing out, you know, what's the future going to be? I don't know if you ever do this, but (laughs) make this one choice that is not a great choice. And then you play it out to like in 10 years from now, you know, I've done this with my kids so often. It's like, you know what, if you keep talking back to me like this in 10 years from now, when you're 
your job and you have this great job and you talk back to your um, employer, he's just going to fire you right on the spot. You know, and, and I'm just, I play these things out to the future. I'm thinking if they're acting like that at home, what are they doing at school? What are other people thinking? You know, and you're just parenting out of that space of your reputation and out of fear of the future, instead of just being able to live in the present with our kids right where they're at and not worry about like, if God loves me totally and truly and completely, I don't have to care about my reputation. I can trust him with that. And so if someone looks at me and it's like, she's just really failing as a parent, that doesn't matter because I know who I'm in Christ and I know what we're going through at our home. And I don't have to stand before God for the decisions that that person is making. I have to stand before God for the decisions that I'm making and how I'm walking with my kids. And I think we are so concerned, whether it's someone online or we we started having therapists, speech therapists and occupational therapists coming over our house. And I would try to get it all clean before they got here after like a month of trying to clean every time. I'm like, forget it. This is our life. This is our Mm -hmm. house. They're going to walk into it. And it's that freedom of, oh, yeah, step over those shoes or, you know, there's mud or whatever and and just realize like this is our life and they're not judging me a lot of this stuff is often we put it on ourselves Mm -hmm. when they're not even thinking those things and when we could just have that freedom like you said to accept God's love to realize like it those opinions whether they're real or imaginary in our mind aren't are important and we can just be the parents that God has called us to be love our kids you say that we can't often give what we don't have and so we do fully need to fill God's love so we can give it to our kids and I think when we like you say in the book live from that place it is such a different atmosphere Yes. And I feel like it just, you know, when we're filled up to the brim with God's love and when someone bumps into us, what's going to slosh out of us, Mm. just God's love. And it's also when we fill our mind up with truth. And so when we, you know, do the hard work, but the really worthwhile life-changing work of saying, I'm going to call out those lies and replace them with truth. And I'm going to cram my brain full of truth then it doesn't give space for those lies to take up residence because we're just filling ourselves up and immersing ourselves up with truth. And then we can pour out of that space to our kids and we can set an example for our kids. Cause I think of, you know, we don't want our kids to go around and be talking about, I'm just such a disappointment. I'm such a failure and those types of things. But if the example that we're setting before them is we're allowing those you know, those types of things to be in our head, or we're actually saying types of, you know, stuff like that out loud in front of our kids. You know, if we're talking about our appearance or, um, you know, we're talking about choices or mistakes that we've made and, you know, we're just beating ourselves up. What kind of example are we setting for our kids? And so I think as, a, as moms, if we can know that we are wholeheartedly loved by God and then live out of that love to our kids, it's going to be one of the greatest gifts that we can give to them. Oh, so true. Okay, let's talk really practical um, because our kids are still going to (laughs) disobey. Our kids are still going to act out. Mm -hmm. We're going to be tired. They're going to be tired. So as we're wrapping this up, what are some practical ways we can approach things differently, even when it's against our nature? Because I know, you know, when I'm tired, they're being loud. I want to say, just be quiet, calm down, behave, act right. And we can do things differently though. So let's talk about that real practical help for us. Yeah. So first off, I just want to encourage all of your listeners. I'm assuming that people who are listening are, are probably you know believers and, you know, as a Christian, 
you have God's spirit in you. Mm. And so for us to realize, um, Allie Worthington, she talks in one of her books about, we have a superpower in us and I, you know, we're supercharged with that. And so instead of us being like, I'm so tired, I just can't do that to cry out to the Lord. In my book, I talk about flare prayers. And so if you have a situation that you're coming up against, you know, you're, you hear your kids fighting in the other room and you're just so tired and the house is messy and it's been a long day and you could just want to just either shut them down or get frustrated with them. But instead stop, shoot a flare prayer up and say, God, I need your spirit. I cannot do this in my own strength. Help me to love my kids. And then in the book, I talk about four choices that I encourage every parent to make instead of trying to bubble wrap and micromanage and overprotect our kids and set these, you know, job descriptions for ourselves that we can never fulfill because we are not our child's savior and Holy spirit. Instead to lean in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility and to let go. And we can do this on the macro level and the micro level. So just having those four choices be our guiding principles for how we approach all of our parenting. But then on the micro level, when we hear our kids in the other room and they're fighting and we need to go in there, we need to have a conversation, shooting that flare flare prayer up saying, God, I want to love my kids with the love that you have given me. Help me to lean in and love. It changes our posture towards our kids when we have, you know, we're crying out to the Lord to give us that love, to love our kids through that he would love them through us. Then we can walk into that situation and we can actually lean in and love them and then listen well to what they're actually saying. Maybe not with their words, but with their actions and their body language, you know, really getting under the surface and giving them space to be able to share what they're feeling and helping them learn how to have that emotional language to be able to share what they're feeling as best as they can. So listening well to that and then to lead with humility. And I think so often as parents, we feel like we need to kind of have it all together for our kids. We want to have a good, we want to set a good example for them. So we feel like, well, we don't want them to know that we're, we have struggles too. But I think that if we're willing to be honest with our kids, we're we struggle and willing to share with them. I know a lot of times when there'll be a situation for me to just step into their world and say, you know, I felt like that too. Um, honestly, just a few nights ago. Um, so we got this call about bringing in this, um, little baby for a foster placement and he had a lot of special needs. Mm -hmm. And, um, my, one of my daughters was in Florida with my husband on a school trip and we were texting back and forth. And she said, I'm really scared. And, you know, I honestly wanted to just say, well, we just need to trust Jesus and blah, 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 blah. But I said to her, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it was like, instead of me acknowledging, she's, she's telling me what she's feeling and she's scared. And I said back to her, I'm scared too. And, you know, because I was, I was feeling really scared too. And so to just kind of sit with her in that and let her just have that space to process and she needed that. And then, she, you know, we were able to talk about it and it was just such a beautiful conversation for me to acknowledge I was scared about it too. And that this is how I'm processing through my fears in this situation. And, and so I think to lead with humility also means not only that we acknowledge when we're struggling, but if we've, you know, gotten upset with our kids or made a mistake or not responded in, in a right way 
to go back to them and to ask forgiveness and to be willing to humble ourselves and do that. And then finally to let go. I think that it's so easy to stifle our kids because we don't want them to make mistakes. We don't want them to struggle. And so we kind of want to clear a path so that they just have this, you know, path to success. Um, But yet when we do that, we're honestly doing a disservice to our kids because the struggle is where strength is built and the struggle is where they learn. And when they make mistakes, you're able to process with them and help them and talk to them. And it's going to help them so much in their future. And so for us to be slowly letting our kids go, slowly letting them learn to make choices and that choices have consequences and learning to process through things on their own instead of us always just making it easy for them. Um, I think that that is going to make such a difference, but ultimately, you know, it's interesting with love center parenting, the subtitle, we really wrestled with it, but we went with the no fail guide to launching your kids. And the reason was, is because not only do you start launching your kids, I believe when they're still much younger, you know, parenting from that space of I'm raising adults, not children. And so, you know, having that different approach, but then also you can't fail when you're faithful because our, our choices and, you know, that's all we can control. We can't control our kids' choices ultimately. And so we can't fail if we're just choosing to step into their world and to lean in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility and to let go. Yeah. And they really feel that love when we do all those things, when we listen, when we say, I'm scared too, when we apologize, like you were talking about. And sometimes they don't even understand the emotions. I know we did the grumble for a year and, you know, they'd be grumbling. And I realized like, okay, I'm getting on them for grumbling, but really they're disappointed because we're not going to be able to play with a friend today or they're hurt because the neighbor down the street teased them. And really talking about those emotions and going deeper, they feel loved when we're sitting there and realizing like, yeah, I feel disappointed too, or I'm scared or I'm hurt. Then they know that we're connecting with them. We're listening to them on a deeper level. I just love everything you're sharing. I love what God is doing in you and through you. And um, like me, it's like we every day can just do our best, lean into God. I love those flare prayers, send up some flare <laughs> prayers and trust him with the results because it's so true. We never know where our kids are going to end up, but we don't have to worry about that. Today, we have today. We can love, we can lean in, we can listen, we can let go and that will make a difference. So I just appreciate you being here. This book um, is a Brand new release. So it's Love Centered Parenting by Crystal Payne. Crystal, where can they go to find more information about you and the book? Well, my favorite place to tell people to come hang out is at, on Instagram. I'm the money saving mom on Instagram and I'm very active um, there. And if you like, picture some videos of babies and you want to look <laughs> get a little peek into foster care and, you know, just the journey God has us on. Um, I'd love for you to join me there. And then, um, if you like deals and, um, want to learn more or just be inspired with saving money, my site is moneysavingmom.com. And then my husband and I also do a podcast called the crystal pain show and the book is available wherever books are sold. Um, or if you want to support your local bookstores, a great place to get it from is bookshop.org. Awesome. Thank you so much, Crystal, for being here. Um, I just continue to pray for your family and I love what God is doing. Thank you so much for having me. 
I have always been a fan of Crystal for so many years since we first met. I love to see how God is using her and how he is just using her to help so many people and bring encouragement. But I especially love the message that she just shared that it's about love. Um, it makes me think of First Corinthians 13, 13, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I think so many of us always just have those thoughts in our mind, those negative thoughts, and I'm not doing this right, and I should be doing this better, and I'm not a good parent, and look at what's happening with my child. And I love when we go back to love, when we are centered on love, when we can feel God's love, we can let that pour out to our kids. Um, loving well doesn't require us to do anything. And loving well also isn't dependent on how our child acts. And this is a hard one because some days it seems like it's easier to love than others. But when we accept God's love, God's unconditional love, it is so much easier to give it to our children and to live that life of love. And we can feel that burden lift to know that we're not perfect people and God doesn't expect us to be. We are not perfect parents. Our kids are not going to be perfect kids. But when we love, love covers a multitude of sins, of anger, of frustration. So this is an amazing book. I'm so thankful for Crystal and how God is using her and sharing this message. And like we know, it comes out of hardship. It comes from hard stuff in our lives. And I think anytime we go through those hard things and we can see that God is there, God is love, God loves us, God loves our kids, we come out stronger. So let me pray for all of us. Lord, first of all, I pray for Crystal. I pray for her family. I pray for all that you are doing in her and through her and for this message of love that she is sharing. I pray that you continue to bless her and her ministry and just expand her borders, Lord, that she can reach more people with this message. I pray for every listener. I know even as Crystal was talking, even as I'm reading through the book, to that reminder that we are loved just as we are is one that we just need to cling to and to stop all those negative thoughts that talk in our head that says you're not doing enough, you're not a good enough mom or or worries of our child like, oh no, they're going to go out and do this other thing because of now. But Lord, I pray that you'll silence all those fears, all those questions, all those worries. I pray for every listener that you will um, help each one to feel loved. I pray that you will help all of us to live out that love. And I just pray that we will turn to you and, and understand how much you love us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for connecting. Thank you for being here. And I pray you might be encouraged. Remember that um, I love to hear from you. I love to hear what messages, what quotes, what guests spoke to your heart. So feel free to drop me a line. You can always reach me at hello at trishagoyer.com. And as we wrap up today, I pray that you will understand God's love today more than ever before. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time. Parents, you have to hear about this exciting free resource for kids. 
Have you heard about the Wycliffe Bible Translators? They're an amazing organization that advances the work of the Bible translation so people from all over the world can meet and be transformed by God through His Word. Now, Wycliffe Bible Translators USA has published a brand new adventure book called Katie and Mac and the Tower of Babel. In this adventure, kids can travel with Katie, Mac, and some new friends back to biblical times. There, kids discover when languages first began. Now, Katie is a missionary kid whose parents serve in Bible translation with Wycliffe. Your kids can join Katie and Mac and her pet Macaw on their adventures as they learn about different languages, people, and cultures. Everything from Bible times to the world today. As they travel, Katie and Mac share about God's amazing love for them because no matter where people live or what language they speak, they all need to know that for themselves. Now you can visit wycliffe.org slash adventure to get your copy of Katie and Mac and the Tower of Babel and check out the other free downloadable activities you can do together as a family. Use the code WALKITOUT, that's walk it out, all one word, to get 25% off your order of Kate and Mac and the Tower of Babel and other products from Wycliffe Bible Translators USA.